passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When Ryan when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the 18. That makes sense that these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Way take the mic. Hi, everybody, it's John Pollock and waiting. Welcome to rewind a raw. The sex addict addiction. Oh, jeez. Sex addict addition is what I meant to say. What did you say? I said sex addict addiction, and I meant to say addition uh, at the end because right. we've got we've got a sex addict storyline. I had just been telling you all these weeks off air how that's what Raw needs at this moment. That could turn things around. We need a sex addict. That could be something. So we're clearly on the path to bigger things. Yeah. Uh, pardon the pun. Sure. I wasn't even going to go there. I was just going to just, just let it go out there for you to either uh, catch or just discard. But how are you doing tonight, Way? I'm doing okay. Yeah. Certainly wasn't expecting to start the show off like that. Um, wasn't I wasn't expe- expecting the show to end like that. So yeah, kind of just joining both sides. Yeah, I didn't really uh, expect this on my, uh, well, what am I saying? Of course I expected this on my wrestling programming tonight. We had a big divorce court. Yeah. You know, I thought it would be the culmination, but instead it just looks like it's the beginning and that this thing is going to get even more uh, dramatic. Yeah, we can can do the actual uh, divorce proceedings. That could could be fun, where we bring in some some legal... Uh, characters to all of this. Then there's the split of the assets, of course, where we can go on location in Nashville and maybe they split the house in half. Lashley moves in. That could be fun. Uh, What else could we do? Uh, Then, I'm sure it's been so long now, they could bring back the the live sex celebration with Lana and Lashley. Lana gets pregnant. Rusev Rusev finds new love. Stop, John. I don't... I know it's it's like a funny fun bit. I don't even want to spend the mental energy more more mental energy than I need to on this whole thing. Well, I'm just saying they they could get two years out of this easy. Yeah, they definitely can, and um, I guess we all have to suffer. Well, we do that anyway. So, uh. What did you get up to this weekend? Uh, it was um, not a crazy weekend for professional wrestling. Did you uh, did you get some time to just enjoy life this past weekend? Because we've got an insane week coming up. Yes, I did. Yeah. Uh, I saw some friends. I um, I spent Sunday really doing a whole lot of nothing. So that was really nice. 
Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, it was great. Um, and yeah, just uh, went all over the neighborhood. Oh, that's cool. That's, you? That's good. Uh, yeah, I got up to uh, a bunch of stuff, actually. I go on... Uh, where did I go? Saturday. Saturday I was out throughout most of the morning. I, I did watch the Bellator cards on the weekend, so I, I had that to do. Sunday, I kind of just uh, went out, just wandered around the city, stopped off uh, along the way. Nothing really too uh, adventurous. Yeah, I just wandered. Just like with no objective in mind, you just decided to take Yeah, I, ju- I just went out. I went out for like four hours, just like wandering around. I, d- I don't get those kinds of uh, blocks in my schedule too often. So wow. I didn't, I, I was on the fence. I was like, do I want to go watch a movie? Not really. There was nothing out that I, I terribly wanted to see. So yeah, just kind of a, you know, you know what's uh, annoying? Like a drifter. I was, I was a drifter. Yeah. I just held my thumb out and no one would, uh, no one would give me a ride anywhere. So I just, just wandered and walked and stopped off. I, uh, had some coffee along the way, went to, went for a meal somewhere. It was fun. Uh, <laughs> all by myself. It sounds, uh, it, it sounds much more uh, sad than it really was. It was actually, uh, yeah, just, I, I like my alone. Not time. at all. What can I say? No, it sounds, it sounds like an adventure. Um, but one movie I really do want to see, and I didn't understand the whole uh, distribution of this film, was that for weeks I had been looking forward to this new uh, Jay and Silent Bob reboot film, and that I would, this was a movie ah, I really want to see this, and knew it was coming to theaters. And the week it came out, I saw it was playing on like a day or two. What I didn't realize is that I had like two days to watch this movie, and then it's gone. They're going and doing like a road show, like taking this movie to different cities all over the place, screening it, and then I guess doing a Q and A afterward. So. The next time I would have the chance to go watch this is, I believe, in February. They're coming back to Toronto. So I decided to look this up because, A, I'd like to see the movie. And if it comes with a Q&A, well, that's cool. That's fun. These tickets, like, the the floor to get seats to this place is like 130 bucks U.S. It's like, wow. I'm, I'm a big Kevin Smith fan, but 130 bucks. U.S. to watch this movie and then do a Q&A. First of all, when I go to a movie, I don't like to go and it's all packed and uh, not my scene at all. So I don't know when this movie is going to come out on Netflix or something. It's probably going to be a year away. But I, I guess there's uh, – I'm sure that there is uh, quite the grassroots campaign to this and it makes sense for them to do it. But inconvenient as hell. If you really just want to see the movie, then yeah, does this does not seem like it's it's worthwhile at all. But I know Kevin Smith – Q and A's like he's been doing these for decades. Oh, I, I've gone to many of them. Like yeah. they're fun shows. I've never spent one hundred and thirty dollars though to go to one. I, How much did you, you know, spend? Uh, I went to one in two thousand four. That was the first time I went to go see him here in Toronto. I want to say I spent thirty to forty bucks, and it was a great show. He was tremendous. It was like two hours, and I remember I, I had to. Uh, it was the weekend of. WrestleMania 20, because the next day, that morning, I had to be up super early to get on a train to go to New York City. Right, right. That's yeah. how I remember that weekend. But on the the week uh, that night, I went to go see that. So 30, 40 bucks, I'd pay more than that. I think my, I think 75, 75 would kind of be what I'd top out to go spend on this. 130 US, by the way. That's a lot. Well, you know, inflation sucks. 
Um, it does. But you're to, also getting to that, a movie. To that end, people have bought tickets to this. So it's it's not like uh, I'm in the majority here. So you charge what the public will pay. So more power to them. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's my long-winded story about how I am not going to get to see that movie anytime soon. What is what is the next movie on your list, Way, to go see? Now that Joker is out of the way, what is in the, the lineup down the road that you're hoping to see? I have no idea. What about the Star Wars movie? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll probably do that. Yeah. When's that? Like end of December, mid to end December? Oh, I think late November is when that comes out. Oh, okay. So Earlier yeah. than some years past. Yeah, I think I'll do that. Sure. I'm going to go see The Irishman at some point. The new Martin Scorsese film. Oh, it's out, okay. it's out this week, and it's in theaters for a month, and then it goes to Netflix. Interesting. Interesting new uh, distribution models for all these types of movies. Does that one come with the Q&A? No, Martin Scorsese is not doing a Q&A. But I, I, I would maybe go to a Martin Scorsese Q&A, and then I'd ask him a Marvel question. Huh. And he'd kick me out. That'd be great. That'd so, be great publicity for you and I. So two weeks and then out on Netflix? I think it's four weeks, something four weeks. like that. Huh. Okay, interesting. Interesting. Interesting that, that all these movies come, coming out have, have these kind of very different uh, methods of, of trying to make money, it sounds like. Yeah, no, it's an interesting time that we are in. We're, we're getting to that point. As I've said, if, if right now, if I could order that Kevin Smith movie on my laptop, I would spend, I would spend $30. That would be my top. I would spend it just to watch it conveniently, which is a lot more than I'd pay to go to the movie theater and watch it. That's where my demand level is. And the convenience is what I'm paying for. Interesting. I wouldn't, but okay. And if I paid that much, I'd watch it in one times the speed. I feel I'd be cheating myself if I watched it any quicker. An article came out about that. I know. I know. It's been forwarded to me many times. Fast forwarded, maybe. Yes. So I I, I am under the impression now that now... When I spend money on something, I also am told how I am to consume it as well. Hmm. I mean, you don't go to a, like a Michelin star restaurant and, you know, like eat it, I guess, in a blender. But if I get the recipe and go to try and make that meal at home, I might make some variations once I've purchased the ingredients. Well, if you can go home and make your own movie, you can watch it as fast as you want. How how about when a movie airs on television? Is the director sitting down with the network and going through when the commercial breaks are going to be inserted, when that's going to interrupt his vision, his flow? Oh, as somebody who has inserted commercial breaks in many a movie um, doing uh, as an intern. Um, Some I can are tell awful. You, I can tell you that the answer is no. Um, I guess you can only have so much control. Well, that's it. All right, let's get into the show because we have a, a lot to get to. As I mentioned, it's a very, very busy week. This is one of those, sometimes you know when a busy week is coming up and then others it's just they start to add up like a game of Tetris and all of a sudden you're overwhelmed at what all is coming up. So here at the site this week, Wayne and I are going to be back Tuesday night with the new Ask Away, our favorite show, the Mailbag Show. We've got about 4,000 questions to get through, so Wayne and I will tackle each and every one of them. So if you're a cafe member, that's coming out. Lots of uh, cafe content this week. Wednesday, we've got 
Uh, Tuesday as well, we're going to have an interview up on the site that Andrew Thompson conducted with Myron Reed, who's going to be on the MLW pay-per-view on Saturday. You can look forward to that. That will be up Tuesday morning at the site. Wednesday, we've got Rewind to Dynamite with brand new theme music to kick things off. You will never listen to Rewind to Dynamite the same. That's right, yeah. Um, Congratulations again to Jacob and to everybody who entered. Uh, I'm really excited about that theme. Did you know that our own Braden Harrington was uh, contributing his own theme music to another podcast, the PWT cast now giving Braden quite the, quite the shout out for his contributions. Did not know that. Wow. Cool. Do you know who the, who scrump interviewed for his podcast this week? Ethan page. That was last week's show. Oh, Kevin. This Smith. week, his guests are Kevin Smith and Jason Muse. Well, look at that. Maybe uh, we got a connection there. Maybe, maybe he can get me a, some some access here to this film. Uh, getting back to our shows that are coming up. So we've got uh, up next as well, coming out Wednesday night with Braden and Davey. Thursday, uh, it's a bit different schedule. We're not going to be doing the cafe hangout at the normal time of three o'clock Eastern. Instead, Way and I are going live Thursday night. Once you're done trick or treating, whatever you do on Halloween, eleven p.m. Eastern. This is the only place you need to be. On Halloween night, 11 p.m. Eastern, we will be live for all members of the Post Wrestling Cafe. Uh, We're going to have a quick rundown of the Crown Jewel show, and then it is you. You are the guests. We are going to be opening up the phone lines. We will go as long as we are getting calls on Thursday night. Whatever you want to discuss related to Crown Jewel, the event itself, and many of the news items this week. So a special edition of the Hangout Thursday night at 11 p.m. Eastern time. Yep, that's right. Uh, We're opening up late. Friday, we've got the British Wrestling Experience with Martin, Benno, and Jamesy. And then Friday night, it's Rewind to SmackDown for all patrons. Saturday, we have the UFC 244 post show. Myself and Phil will be reviewing that card with Jorge Masvidal and Nate Diaz in the main event. And then Sunday, two shows coming your way with the second episode of Thunderstruck with WH Park joined by Benno as they're going to be chatting about the Liger Brian Danielson match from 2004. And then Sunday night, capping off an insane week, it is our Power Struggle post-show. Because that's this weekend as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'll be up Sunday evening, early Monday morning for most of you guys in the Post Wrestling Cafe. Yes, uh, lots to go. Do you do, uh, know that the WWE Investors Conference is also this Thursday? Oh, wow, okay. Wow. That's what always time? a crazy day. Uh, 11 a.m. is going to be the conference so call. Right before Crown Jewel. Yeah, this is the the kickoff to the kickoff show. Mm-hmm. They should have just put the the conference call on the WWE Network instead of doing the kickoff show, or or during Crown Jewel. Sure, sure, you could have a split screen. Have yeah. George Barrios in the picture in picture. Have all the investors weighing in. Mm-hmm. All right, so all of that is uh, coming up this week, but. Uh, Anything else to discuss before we uh, move on over to the news? Let's get to the news. All right. Well, we have to start with, man, quite a lot of recap to do with Jordan Miles uh, from this past weekend. And I'm sure many people listening to this uh, have a pretty good idea of kind of the the key aspects to this story. But in a nutshell, uh, Jordan Miles posted uh, a series of messages on Sunday in relation to a t-shirt design that the company had not sold, but he shared the design 
And when you see this design, which is a black t-shirt with a image in the shape of a smile with red lips and the white font, it easily could be, uh, I, I think, related to uh, a series of racist imagery. And this was brought up by Jordan Miles and many people uh, looking at this immediately of how this thing got to this point where it was an actual T-shirt design. And Miles was pretty upset about this. He said, I will keep posting this till my voice is heard. I'm not sorry for anything I say or do. Representation is important. If this is Vince McMahon and Triple H's vision of me, then this is a slap in the face to every African-American performer, fan, and supporter. Uh, From that point on, he had... Uh, numerous messages afterwards. He was uh, encouraging people to change their their Twitter photos in protest of this of this uh, t shirt. And later, the WWE did come out with a statement in response. This was on Sunday, and they read uh, or wrote rather, Albert Hardy Jr., aka Jordan Miles, approved this t shirt for sale. As always, we work collaboratively with all of our performers to develop logos and merchandise designs and get their input and approval before proceeding. This was the same process with Elbert, and we responded swiftly once he later requested that the logo t-shirt be redesigned. No shirts were sold. Let's just start there with the initial um, statements from each side. How did you think this was handled by WWE and Elbert Hardy's uh, initial criticisms of this, um, you know, very, uh, this t-shirt that just seems, it's just really stunning that it got to this point that this wasn't caught along the way from anybody. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would assume that it's been, it's something that's been bothering him ever since it, you know, it occurred. Um, I think a surprise to everybody in the public because um, as far as I know, this, I I didn't know that this shirt was even out in the the public eye uh, until this point. So I I, I don't think it was ever officially released. I think that's um, so, so the fact it that, never got to that point, yeah. So, you know, Jordan Miles' initial tweet about saying, you know, he's going to keep posting it until he, his voice gets heard, it makes me wonder what attempts he was making internally to try to, um, I guess, uh, you know, get a response or maybe an apology or something like that from the WWE. Um, so I know a lot of people are maybe questioning the timing of, of the whole thing or maybe even just the, like the chain of events. And without actually being there i don't think what i i can't really comment on that um but clearly you know there was some injustice here and somebody was has very clearly the right to be pissed off about it um wwe's response again um they're recalled the events i i i don't know i don't know if who's really kind of like you know misinterpreting the the reality of it, maybe they're right. Maybe Jordan Miles is right. Maybe everybody's right, or maybe everybody's wrong in in a, in a bit of a way. Um, that I can't really comment on. But I think we can comment on the fact that you know the fact that this shirt maybe got as far into the process as it did without anybody really realizing um, the the negative connotation attached to it might be a cause for concern. Might be. Might be. You know the fact that. Um, something that even like, like that looked like this uh, was, it was considered at any point to be sold to the public. Um, imagine if like, you know, Jordan Miles didn't even see it. Um, or the fact that maybe he would have let it go and didn't, you know, but I, I, I kind of doubt that it, it's, it's, it's imagery that certainly means a lot, um, a lot of, of 
bad to a certain demographic. And I know a lot of people might be looking at the shirt saying it's not a big deal, but it's not a big deal to you, but it doesn't mean that you see what other people see. And you could say this about a lot of things, you know, um, not everybody's going to be offended the same way, but clearly this was something that was a big problem to many people. Yeah. A, a couple thoughts. I feel that the way the WWE handled that statement, I, I thought was a, a misfire on their part. Nowhere in there was an apology. I think at times that yes, the WWE is this enormous corporation that doesn't get a whole lot of sympathy from people. But I feel that when a mistake is made, the easiest way to somewhat alleviate that criticism is simply acknowledging that there was fault here. And we apologize. This was not the intent. And this should never have been a design that was presented to one of our performers, much less having to place the onus on that performer to have to be the one to educate us. There was none of that. It just felt like, well, he approved it. So somehow this was okay. I just didn't think that there was a whole lot of self-reflection in that statement. It sounded very reactionary of just simply putting the focus onto, onto Jordan Miles and none on who was it that the, that designed this. And from there, we, we kind of get uh, more comments from Jordan Miles. He had shared this email, which I, as I'm looking now, I believe he has deleted. now taken he has taken down that tweet. He has tweeted a lot that he has deleted, including was this email where he was told by a WWE employee named Baker Landon that the image um, had been run by Paul Levesque, who wanted to make an alteration to the logo to make it quote more teethy and. Miles had also stated when he had initially seen the image, it was on a white shirt, not a black shirt. And once you see it with the black background, um, that it does jump out at you a lot more of what the connotation is and that image as well. Um, Miles has now since gone on. He has made numerous criticisms of the WWE, calling the entire company a fraud. He had a lot of criticism towards uh, not just WWE, but Ring of Honor, uh, using a comment against Jay Lethal that has rubbed a lot of people the wrong way and saying that uh, posting a, a quick video that WWE does not care about black people and has deleted that as well. Um, it just seems like this is someone that has just gone and it, it's it's very hard to imagine him working in this company Uh and whether he wants to be working in this company where he has so much dissatisfaction at the moment and what the status of Jordan Miles is as well, because he has not he has not done any matches in the last two months. A PW Insider reported today he hasn't been at the Performance Center during this stretch as well. So there's a lot of questions about Jordan Miles at this time. And I, I would say that there is a larger issue at hand here. And it is just if you are a african-american performer if you're a fan and you look this is not some just isolated incident that there is a long history of what has been the experience for an african-american performer or for a fan that watches how some of these characters are depicted and sometimes when you're talking about racism it's not something that is just as sometimes it's very cut and dry where you can identify something 
as racist and others where it's just institutionalized and it's little things like why is this character doing this specific trait? Why is why is this person positioned in this light? And it's little things that just become the norm that get overlooked. And sometimes you do have to scream into a megaphone to alert people to this. And we can go back to this year. Why was that title win so important with Kofi Kingston to such a large amount of people? It was a built-up frustration that there is only so far you can get to. And I think that there is a lot of frustration about this. And this is at least a example of this company having a chance to actually speak to their audience and understand how does something like this happen from the very first step? Who is designing this logo? How is this the how is the brainstorming session leading to an image like this for one of our performers and leading to this? And there's a lot of questions regarding that. And I think it goes beyond just a t-shirt design. That was a misstep. I think that there are a lot of other questions that this brings up as well. Certainly. And you have to imagine, I would hope that the WWE is having those conversations right now internally, talking about where where it went so wrong, what needs to be addressed so that this doesn't happen in the future. Who's going to be the fall guy for something like this? Um, and, you know, if that's the end result of maybe, you know, you would consider this a tirade on Twitter, um, maybe it's a positive result. You know, ultimately, I think this gets people thinking about the perspective of issues like this from the from from somebody like Jordan Miles and all people of color. And I I never think that's a bad thing. No, I, I hope that this is going to open up those discussions, and I hope that this is not just simply uh, glossed over. Um, now, how do you feel about the way in which Jordan Miles has gone about this? Um, I, I don't believe that this is something that could just be solved with a simple email internally that goes nowhere. I think sometimes you do have to make something loud in order to uh, initiate that that kind of change, but... I think that as well, it's – I think he's also going to have his detractors, specifically with how he went against Jay Lethal. You've already seen that pushback uh, from people that – you know, the comments he made about Jay Lethal today. Yeah, I thought that was probably a big misstep um, if if his goal was to perhaps, you know, convince people. At the very least, like, I don't know what criticism he really – like, what his specific criticisms are of Jay Lethal. Like, I think the way he phrased it – made it really vague and almost almost a little too antagonistic for a guy that, you know, from all accounts, like, I guess has nothing to do with this. Um, so I I don't know if that really helped him. I, I really don't think it did, in fact. But if his intention was to grab people's attention by saying, you know, big statements that, you know, uh, will get people like us on this podcast talking about it. I mean, the goal was there and I do agree that in, sometimes you have to have to have you know speak loudly in order to have your voice heard and he's certainly speaking loudly yeah so it's I, I don't know what the next move is here I, I don't know what you do if you are Jordan Miles if you're WWE I think it looks um I, I can't see them uh releasing this guy because I think that would be just such a horrible look uh, to all of this, and well, do um, we know that he's asked for his release? Even 
No, no, no. We don't know that. I'm just saying like this is a scenario where it is very hard to imagine him just simply coming back to work um, because he has been so outspoken and with the criticism of the company with and, and listen, some of his points very, very valid. The fact that um, if you're an African-American performer in that company and you're watching Hulk Hogan being utilized, being presented as this hero on television. Mm hmm. I think that could absolutely and be completely justified in you feeling um, as though it's it's being either swept under the rug or at even worse, um, like blindly condoning it. Um, you know, we heard the stories of when Hulk Hogan met with the locker room and it turned away from an apology to more so about watch where you are in the social media age of you're always being filmed like that was it was almost a message of don't get caught was more so than sincere remorse. Um, so it's, it's, it's all of these things that you just, you add together the, the historical presentation of certain black performers and not even all that long ago within the, like we're talking about 2003, that Booker T program occurred that 2005 Vince McMahon is throwing out the N word on a pay-per-view for a laugh. It's, like I am someone that cannot properly convey like what that word is going to mean to me because I'm, I'm not the subject of that word. And I think that often it's just a fan base that just has to, well, I'm a WWE fan. I'm a wrestling fan. We don't even have to hold this to just WWE that this is just presentations that you have to deal with. And if you're a performer, like listen to some of the firsthand experiences we've seen on uh, the wrestling with stereotypes panels of just characters that are presented to people that it's just out of ignorance or just, Hey, this is, this is our thought process. This is how we, we think and having to navigate this. If you're an African American, I think it just, there, there's a breaking point at a certain time where, when is this going to change for the better? For sure. Yeah. Um, certainly I think it means a whole lot more when somebody employed within that system speaking out against it. I think, you know, those those panels are excellent. They're fantastic. They get the conversation going. But to have that conversation from somebody from within it be brought up has, look at it, has brought way more attention to it than I think anything outside of it could. So I'm sure there are a lot of people out there that are happy. Whether or not you agree with maybe like the 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 tact involved with some of these tweets, I think there are people that are happy that somebody- This conversation is, is happening. Is at least speaking up, yeah. All right, well, let's um, move on to some of the viewership figures we got from Friday night. SmackDown, we knew it was going to take a big hit moving to Fox Sports 1, but it was an enormous one. 888,000 viewers watching the show on Friday night. There's the part of me way that I look at it, and this this has to be to a degree a throwaway number, and I don't think anyone is expecting... Um, Anything close to this, this Friday, but man, when you're thinking that for one night, we're going to move to another, you know, a, a, a cable network that is in about 84 million homes and 63% of the people from the week prior said, mm, no, I'm not following this show. I mean, this was a dramatic drop way more than I was expecting, but, um, I don't know. Do you, are you concerned with this number? How much of this do you look at as just a, a one-week throwaway number? 
Um, personally, I kind of look at it as um, maybe an indicator of how dedicated your audience might be. Whereas I feel like, you know, if diehards will really go and seek out their 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 program wherever it goes, this to me seems to suggest that a good deal of your audience is just a casual audience that's watching because it's convenient and on Fox, uh, rather than you know somebody who really has to know what's going on on that edition of SmackDown. Yeah, I just I look at you know where where they were on. The USA Network versus FS1, and I just I, I could not conceive of this show falling under a million people for a show that was advertised pretty well with the Lesnar appearances, with Velasquez, with Hogan, with Flair. Um, so it was, you know, by far the the lowest number in SmackDown's history. I'm sure we're going to see a bounce back uh, this Friday, but you know, I'm I'm not convinced that um, Friday nights is going to be. Like, have we hit the lowest point on Fox? I don't think we have yet. I don't think so either. Uh, I think, you know, the Friday effect is probably more than some of us are accounting for. And, you know, the luster is kind of going to wear off of this, like, new WWE on Fox thing pretty quickly. Unless, I would say, the show gets that much better in quality. But even then, I'm not really sure. I can't really say for a certain whether or not it has any, even that much to do with the quality of the show. Yeah. J- just a recap of the first three weeks on Fox, they started with that, that gigantic number of uh 3.88 million. The following week, they were down to 2.87 week. Three was 2.42 million viewers. So it has been a steady decline each week. And we're going to see this Friday uh, what that number is. Do you see it being below 2.4 million? Is there a competition? Friday night, they sh- uh, baseball's done, so that's out of the way. Like, they should be, like, it should be, you know, there's always going to be things that, that pop up, basketball games, whatnot, but they're, they're away from the World Series competition, which they were going against on Friday night as well. I think it'll be better, personally. but Above 2.4. That's okay. my thinking if there's no baseball. All right, we also had... Um, what else do we have? Um, sorry, I had my notes here. Uh, then we are going over. Oh, my thing froze here. Sorry about that. Um, the WrestleMania schedule is out. So WWE is now moving several of their events around. We are going to have a takeover on the Saturday night. And as we kind of uh, theorized way, they're moving the Hall of Fame to Thursday night. So it is Hall of Fame Thursday Friday will be SmackDown. SmackDown. Then we have the NXT TakeOver card Saturday, followed by WrestleMania, followed by Raw. What do you think about this schedule, and how do you see Hall of Fame faring on Friday? Do you see it having any more interest to the average consumer? Because I still think the Hall of Fame is going to be a really tough draw for people, unless you have something enormous like The Rock going in one year. Yeah, I think it largely maybe depends on the roster. But I feel like if you're a WWE fan, you know, Thursday is not that early into the week that you wouldn't get there early enough to to watch something like it. Uh, if you're a hardcore fan, I can see there being maybe, you know, other other options that you would, would get your interest other than the Hall of Fame. I think it actually helps Hall of Fame because typically with it being on a Saturday, that's when you have your big ROH show that takes a great deal of, of attention away from it. Um 
I like the flow of this one a lot more. You know, Friday is your big go home show on Fox takeover on Saturday, Friday, uh, Sunday, WrestleMania. And then Monday, you're, you're a post WrestleMania show. Like it does not feel like certainly, you know, you have like the, 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 the end of the road, Tuesday SmackDown that just by that point, who really wants to stay that much longer? You know, to watch more like a B show. Um, That SmackDown should be a big deal on that Friday. You're on network television. You can shoot one final angle or such. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I'm kind of curious to see how much buzz that SmackDown has next year uh, going into the weekend. Every show feels important, or at least, you know, at its most important um, day of the week. Nothing feels really, you know, unnecessary. Now, next year, so now that we know TakeOver is happening on the Saturday night, what does Ring of Honor do? Do you run? I I don't know if I run Saturday night against TakeOver. It's a very different ROH this year. Um, You know, granted, this past year, they didn't, that that was already after Omega and everyone had left. But this year, it's like. New Japan, though. They're not going to have New Japan this year. They're not going to have New Japan. Like, the bloom is off the rose. And I think Ring of Honor could be. I I think there will be some brand loyalty that it's a part of WrestleMania weekend that they're going to do okay, but I think that it's going to be a much less attended show next year unless they have some enormous turnaround perception-wise. Yeah, certainly. You know, but at at the same time, um, I think there are enough people in town that'll facilitate a venue that they decide to choose. They're not going to be able to run the same size as MSG, of course, but... Like, you know, for your standard, I think, super card of honor size. Can they do 2,000 people? Yes, I think so. I think the, I think that's the target to yeah. shoot for. I think the brand name is, like, you know, big enough. And I feel like there are enough talents in the city there that ROH can spend the money to make that show feel special. You know? Yeah. yeah. And I think it'll be a good show. I just feel that it's it's more so just a company that I think it's the perception more than anything that they're battling at the moment. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, that's uh, going to be interesting. Travel packages go on sale next week, and then tickets for WrestleMania are going on sale November 15th. So that's uh, the WWE schedule on top of all their regular stuff with with access. Some of these travel packages, Wade, they uh, they go at over $7,000. With a Q&A? No Q&A in there. Hmm. Maybe you can have an impromptu Q and A on the phone. Seven thousand. What does that entail? Like tickets it, to all it, the it, It's every. It's tickets to everything. It's hotel accommodations. Right. It's okay. Um, some some specialty VIP meet and greets and stuff. So it's it, it's a lot packed in there. And there's clearly people that will it's, spend that when you account for everything, including you know your hotel and everything. If you have the money, you know if you're if you're on a I don't know if you've never like it. Let's say you're overseas. You've never been to a WrestleMania. I could definitely see it, you know, being like an easy way to like just experience the whole thing. All right. All your news you can go catch at postwrestling.com. We're going to move into Raw Monday night from St. Louis, Missouri at the Enterprise Center leading into the Crown Jewel event this Thursday. And things kicked off with Paige coming out to start the show. And she introduced Asuka and Kyrie Sane. She cut a promo saying that or she put over the credits of Kyrie Sane and Asuka with Sane, a former NXT champion, winner of the Mae Young Classic, and Asuka, a former SmackDown women's champion and Royal Rumble winner. Now they are women's tag team champions. And Asuka and Sane took turn cutting promos, and it was very awkward as Paige went to get the microphone from Sane, dropped it, 
then picked up the microphone as Oscar blew mist into the face of Paige. And poor Paige here had to sell that she was blinded. And then she gets onto the floor. Oscar walks up towards her. And as Paige is blind, she then yells, get away from me. And I'm thinking she's cured. She's fine. Maybe she still had some peripheral vision. This maybe, just felt like, maybe she had the has the the Spider Man thing that Deal Madden was talking about. That could have very well been. You remember um, what that was? Nope, I don't. I don't know. Metamorphy, whatever. Yeah, the the angle. Listen, I mean, they needed to tie up a loose end here with Paige. Um, never had a proper breakup with with her as a manager. And they wanted to get some heat for this tag team. And unfortunately, you're talking about Paige who can't do any physicality. So this is as much as they could do. So yep. I, I think the idea was good. But in execution, really, the intensity nor the shock of the, the whole thing really was not there. It was certainly not enough for this crowd to clamor for somebody to c- come out and save Paige. Because she didn't look like she was in danger enough. I mean, yeah, she had mist blown on her. But I feel like... There could have been maybe a better sell. Like I, she, I just think in 2019, people don't take the mist like it's this crippling. You know, it's not the great kabuki blinded, anymore. It's true, but like, man, if she sold it like she she was like not only blinded, but like I guess this was supposed to feel like acid. <laughs> she she sold it like she had spilt like uh, her drink all over herself. Sure, or like you know her she dropped her contact lens or something. Yeah, um, it's wait a little too much communication. I felt from Paige, where I, I think you know maybe a bit more just kind of kick, kicking and screaming would have been fine. Yeah, I I don't know if like on paper how I would have uh, forecasted this to get over because when you do the mist in the body of a match, like people usually get into it as you know a temporary blinding spot, but in this angle where it wasn't in the body of a match, it just felt so outdated just what they were trying to get across and the audience just no one got into it to the degree it was. I mean, mm-hmm. you under, you outlined the, the limitations you have with page. So um, they did this. What I felt bad for it is page at the end of this, who this is yet another role she has been written out of. And it just feels that, you know, she's, I guess just going to be maybe part of this panel on backstage and maybe that's going to be the role for her moving forward. Yeah, I mean, I I feel like she could do a whole lot, and I, I'm I'm personally quite disappointed at how this whole association with the Kabuki Warriors turned out because from day one it never seemed like a good fit. Um, so, you know, it, they were they weren't going to do it anyway. I guess they just saw an opportunity here for the Kabuki Warriors to get some heat, so they took advantage of it. I, you know, she's good on backstage. I think can she be a manager? I. I don't know. I'm not sure. I, I think she has the talent for it, but they haven't found the right chemistry. She was very good in the general manager role. Yes, um, she was. Becky Lynch comes out with her new shirt. I don't care about your stupid feelings. Is that even, is that something she said? Must be, I, right? I've never heard her say this. Hmm. Um, she attacks Kyrie in the ring and then goes after both Kabuki warriors, clears the ring and that sets us up for Becky Lynch versus Kyrie Sane. And for those wondering the power of the mist, that's why we've got Dio Madden here. He explained that the mist is a ninjutsu technique that's been passed down. Yeah. Okay, sure. Why not? Yeah, I'd, l- I'd love to go try this out, see how this works. Well, you have to practice for a while. 
This is this something that really needs to be passed down? Like you're blowing something in someone's face. Yeah, but a spe- specific well, technique. Well, you got to create the mist. You got to oh sorry, you got to create like the green saliva or the right. green. It's got to come up from your diaphragm and oh, yeah. you know just form. Yeah, it takes a lot of pra- ninjutsu to form like the the venom center. They bring up that Kyrie and Asuka are two of the only people that have beaten Becky Lynch this year. And Vic Joseph mentions that the Kabuki Warriors will be taking on Tegan Knox and Dakota Kai on NXT this week. I thought that was a that was a good mention. Then he brought up that today's a special day. It was one year ago that the Evolution pay-per-view took place, which kind of just shone a spotlight on, well, was it that great? Because here we are a year later. Kind of naturally makes you think about that. Hey, like, why aren't they doing it again this year? Imagine in 1986, one year ago, we had WrestleMania. And Mm. now, welcome to the spectrum for our latest house show. Uh, Becky did this arm bar while bridging on her neck, then goes for the disarmer, saying escape to the floor. When Becky uh, was getting beaten down, she made her comeback. And as she fired up, Lawler asked, is this what you call a ginger snap? Mm. She had snapped. Yeah. Exploder, uh, saying then tied up her legs and bridged back for the submission. And then as Becky got out of that, Sane countered a vertical suplex into a DDT that looked really good. Sane got tossed off the turnbuckle. There was a leg drop from Becky for a two count. Then Becky takes down Asuka, who is on the apron, gets hit by a spinning back fist. Becky kicks out right at the last second and catches her with the disarmer to tap her at 14 minutes, 47 seconds as Asuka was pissed staring a hole through Becky Lynch. Uh, this was a tough crowd, but I, I enjoyed this match. I thought both women worked uh, very hard in this opener. thought it was all, all right, yeah, but what stood out to me was maybe the lack of reaction. And the lack it was of very in- tough. And the lack of intensity for this one. Not a bad match, but I, I wouldn't say the match was really attention-grabbing in the least. At least not enough for this crowd to really get behind Becky. And I think part of the reason is at least beyond the crowd, you know, let's be honest, was which wasn't amazing tonight. Part of the reason, I think, is because Kyrie Saint still remains a pretty ineffective and unearned heel. They haven't really done the legwork to really explain why these two are suddenly the way they are. Asuka, you could maybe buy a bit more because, you know, she plays it a bit naturally. But Kyrie, it still feels so, so forced. And, you know, not only is she smaller than Becky in this match, which already makes it tougher to buy her as the aggressor. I just, I think her style and her character also aren't really mean or aggressive enough to make up for it. So I, I personally didn't feel like she was very effective here. I think fans got behind the signature moves, got behind the fast pace of the finish. Um, but overall, I, I don't think this match for me worked that well. Charlie was with our truth in the ring. And he says that Murphy is not his buddy. And then it's corrected saying that's his name. He figured out that the Sings are brothers and he has bought new glasses and he's looking for Ranjan Singh, who is, that was Dave Kapoor's character, the writer. And he's going to win back the title, the 24-7 title, for the 52nd time. Buddy Murphy comes out, says, you may not know who I am right now, but you won't forget me after tonight. Yeah, so Buddy Murphy got a chance to speak. He sounded, did speak. Sounded kind of generic, but we at least got to hear his voice. So both of these men are going to be in the Battle Royal on Thursday. Truth landed a flying forearm, and then we get the update. He is actually a 20-time 
24-7 champion, not 52. Murphy attacked him with strikes, stomped his foot, hit a sidekick, and then the Sings ran down. They were being chased by No Way Jose, Eric Young, Hawkins, Ryder, and Mojo Rawley. Poor Mojo. He's fallen to this level. Truth joined in. They're all running around in circles. Then he returned to the ring, knee strike from Murphy, and he pinned him in 232. I think if they're, you know, trying to, to showcase Buddy Murphy and maybe present him in a serious light, not sure I would associate him with, like, the 24-7 group, but, I mean, I guess maybe they're short on TV time and this got him a win onto TV. Um, it, and they did focus on him to close the segment. But I think the 24-7 stuff has, again, no pun intended, really run its course. Not even getting a reaction live here. They ran a SmackDown promo, uh... For the big return to Fox, we've got Roman Reigns versus King Corbin and Bray Wyatt on Miz TV. Mm-hmm. AOP in the room. The room was very busy on Monday night. They said that other teams find it disconcerting that they speak in their native language. Warfare is not just physical, it's mental, and it takes you out of your game. They will own them with every language and style. They are going to linguistically cripple you. Through their vast knowledge of the languages. Wow. That's a hell of a threat. (laughs) I have never ran into someone and their threat has been, dude, I could talk to you in 40 different languages and you wouldn't know any of them. But these authors. Yeah. Dangerous, dangerous guys. I guess this promo really is kind of taking that name, tag team name bit more literally they're they're well read well spoken well spoken yeah um i i continue to think that these are you know very well done i think they make them look really cool the two of them have very good presence in them they they sound great in either language or all three languages i should say they say victory for the sake of our legacy violence for the sake of violence and that's all you get to know about us this week (laughs) that's how they ended it that's all you get to know about us. I I really do though. Like, would like to see them maybe do more than just talk. You know, I know that we're kind of building up that anticipation. It's, that's probably the intent of these is is us wanting to see them. But you remember, like, there was one one where they like went outside of the room and like beat up Heath Slater for no reason. Yes, I I, I wouldn't mind it if they like got out of the room a, a little bit more for some of these vignettes. Well, the the room is a popular place. Once yeah. you get a spot there, you don't give it up too easily. The Street Profits came out. Decent reaction here. They were hugging in the ring. Light chant of we want the smoke that they kind of let build. And they said that they want the smoke. And then their theme played and they sang over it. They ran through the crowd. I thought they were going to get attacked. No, that this was it. They came all the way to St. Louis Stayed in the arena for hours and hours, got dressed in their attire, walked out, got into the ring to inform everyone that we want the smoke. And the crowd agreed. They said, we want the smoke. And they said, agreed, the smoke. And they left. And just like that, like a poof of smoke, they were gone. Mm-hmm. That ending was definitely a little abrupt. As if they just like kicked themselves out. Um, 
I think this was... Maybe they should have added, that's all we're going to let you know about us this week. Oh, yeah, like the the authors. Yeah, gotcha. Um, You know, I I feel like this was an attempt to translate what they were doing backstage in front of a live audience. And I feel like the script was very much, like, kind of written for what you would typically hear from these two backstage, except with a bit more crowd interaction in there. But I feel like this did not really feel like a, a crowd interactive promo at all like it felt almost like, like it was too pre-written at least you know expecting a cer- certain order of events this crowd was already chanting we want the smoke but the promo was almost crafted around them building to the chant so when the crowd started getting into it again it was almost like yeah we were already chanting this why are you trying to get us to do it again and then the music awkwardly playing them out seemed mistimed to me and it almost felt like it was you know a robotic kind of replaying of somebody's expectation of what would happen rather than a natural interaction of what this crowd wanted to to do to react to them. Yeah, I I didn't think it was like a great segment. I do feel these two like you can see like there is a a growth among their popularity. Like these For two sure. like well, it wasn't a home run segment, but I still feel they're doing a pretty good job with these two guys. Oh, you could see you can see the result of it like later on in the show. They made the big save for for Carrillo and like this crowd reacted to them like they were stars, so They've, they've overall definitely done a great job with them. Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair were out with the Invisible Man, and that was followed by Ricochet coming out, and Vic Joseph confirms he is a real-life superhero. Why? Because Well, Vic, Vic did his research. He found out. I mean, that's what I don't really understand about this whole super superhero thing, is that, like, in their minds, is a superhero anything more than a guy who jumps really high? And like does flips because I can tell you most comic book fans don't think of that as the only thing that a superhero does. It's and I can't imagine like Ricochet, you know, talking about really wanting to be a superhero. Is that his only qualification? You know, that I'm going to jump really high to prove that I'm a I'm a real life superhero. Maybe that's what they should have renamed 205 Live. The superheroes. The superheroes. Yeah, perhaps. But I mean, it's. I think I, I might have a chance of buying that this grown man thinks of himself as a superhero if at least they kind of paid some attention to w- what his actual heroic aspects are. What is it that he is, you know, trying to prove that is heroic about himself? Because I haven't seen any attempt at it at all beyond him wanting to jump really high and doing flips. So it's Ricochet and Drew McIntyre for the second straight week and got almost the exact same time as they did last week. They went over 17 minutes here. Immediately, Ricochet hits a Fosbury flop, but then Ricochet selling the ribs from last week. I like the fact that we didn't ignore that post-match attack. He's got his ribs, uh, at least part of his ribs, taped. So he gets dumped onto the top rope, and then McIntyre just focuses on the ribs. Everything is targeting these ribs. He kicks at them. He applies an abdominal stretch. He launched Ricochet onto another planet before he came down for this Big back body drop. I mean, Ricochet just flew all over the place for this guy and made Drew look fantastic. Um, They showed the replay of the back body drop in slow motion, and it was just insane. Uh, He took a border toss into the corner. Then McIntyre's doing the Hogan poses for heat. Ricochet pops out of the corner and immediately gets kicked in the ribs. They go through the break. Vic Joseph says that Ricochet told him. Again, Vic getting all this firsthand news from Ricochet, says that Hogan himself gave him 
the rocket fuel to recover from last week. Rocket fuel. Hulk Hogan gave him the rocket fuel to recover from last week. Did he ever I, ju- I just hope that rocket fuel didn't come from Hershey, Pennsylvania or anywhere. Sorry. Lost me. What? Okay. Well, that was the... Uh, that that was the uh, the operating area of one Dr. George Zahorian oh, back in the day. Okay, so it just Got be it. always make sure your rocket fuel uh, where it's coming from. Nice, I like it. Now. So Ricochet finally gets in some offense, and what does he do? For like thirteen minutes, he's been hit in the ribs, so he goes for a cabrada. <laughs> I couldn't believe this. Mm. Would that would that be the move you would go with? Way you finally have the opportunity. To attack this guy, do you just say, fuck it. I'm doing the me- the move that is going to do the most damage to my most weakened area right now. A quebrada. Well, I can... He had that rocket fuel. Maybe that's the out here. It's he had rocket that rocket fuel. fuel. It's the added momentum. It's the WWE Universe. Um... RF plus M equals <laughs> superhero flying. It's all yes. that, yeah. Well, yeah, he's WWE super... calculus. Yeah. So Drew then caught him, inverted Alabama slam, discus lariat, stops the Claymore, goes to the top, holding his ribs. So he says, you know what? 630 splash, goes for it, misses, and then Randy Orton runs in, nails him with the RKO. This RKO looked fantastic. Ricochet, like, pile drove himself into the mat. We're in St. Louis, so everyone goes nuts and cheers Orton like he's the babyface here. DQ is called 1703. And they announced that the momentum has swung to Team Flair going into Crown Jewel. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Of course. He lost the M. He lost it. No. Yeah. Um, crowd went nuts for Randy, as you would expect. So I Poor think, Ricochet. Well, I think in, this, in the end, they did a great job of making Randy Orton look like the biggest baby face in the building and the biggest heel. He, <laughs> he overshadowed both of them. He was a bigger heel than the heel here because he defeated the babyface. And he got the biggest cheers in this entire match above the babyface that they spent 20 minutes in this match trying to build. So, I mean, as much as I think they, you know, I thought, or uh, what is it? Ricochet and Drew did a great job in this match. Maybe a you know little what happened. Long, you know what happened? What? I bet, I bet you that Vince McMahon finally sat down. He watched Dynamite and he saw Britt Baker and was like, oh, this this is what you do when they're in their hometown. You you put them over. Where are we on Monday? We're in we're in St. Louis. Randy Randy's going to be the king on Monday. Yeah, here's and, the, here's and a, they, the writers probably just went. It's close enough. It just just let him do it. It's a very young talent that I think needs some exposure. Randy, we need, Orton. We need the great new stars. Yeah, Got I, think, Randy. I think they really did it. I think they made him. I think I think people in St. Louis will recognize Randy Orton next time he's here, but. I understand they have a match to build to. RKO gets the biggest reaction out of everything. I just think that it, to me, it was a total waste of time of like anything that they could have hoped for for both for either Ricochet or Drew McIntyre. Um, because I don't think they achieved anything by the end of this. Yeah, it wasn't the outcome of of last week. I thought this did really overshadow uh, Drew by the end. I would love to see an Orton Ricochet match. Those are the kind of matches I think Randy really gets into with these guys that can just fly all over the place and work off of him. So it that's probably fun. where we'll go. We'll probably at least get a TV match out of that. Yeah. But, you know, like to add to that, just the lack of finish in like, what was this? Like a 15 minute match? 17. Oh God. Like, 
it was a match that was well worked, but you know, by the end, continues to train your audience that you don't need to pay attention to these long matches when the result doesn't matter anyway. If you even get one, they're building new guys. Way, come on, you gotta be patient. The OC are in the back with Umberto Carrillo, and AJ was impressed last week with him. Remembers when he was a rookie, and now he is an inspiration. And Carrillo picked the wrong top champion to face. So he wants to have a match with Carrillo later tonight. So it's AJ and Carrillo. Yeah, you notice that Carrillo did not say a word at all backstage this week. And maybe a good call at the moment. Well, maybe he just has not seen AJ play with fire yet. <laughs> That's right. Except was... for that uh, that ending with uh, his TNA run. You know, I would love for him to comment on this whole divorce court thing that we saw at the end of the, the show next week. That'd be nice. Well, he's going to need an opponent next week, so maybe maybe yeah. he will. So we got Rizzo and Bryant in the ring of the Chicago Cubs. This was a huge score. On a week where they have Cain Velasquez and Tyson Fury, they were able to get Anthony Rizzo and Chris Bryant of the Cubs to wrestle a match on Raw. That's That's noteworthy. Two Major League Baseball players. That's something. (laughs) Didn't even advertise it. Um, It was amazing, yeah. Uh, I didn't even realize that these two were real baseball players. That's hilarious. (laughs) Um, Like, this kind of took, you know, the the sports thing really to, like, a way more blatant level than I think we've ever seen on WWE. It's like, this was them pretty much, like, dressing up jobbers to look like actual baseball players in order to get some easy heat yeah i mean could you have imagined like back in the day they could have had like jose and mark of the oakland days yeah get destroyed by like the road warriors i mean maybe that this was is a new way this is this is what you gotta do with some of these job guys is like give them like fake aliases certainly yeah think of all the celebrities that are out there that you you know people would want to see get beaten up uh, why haven't they been doing this the whole you know, show there, should be this. There was like the chance, like before I saw the Viking Raiders come out that I'm thinking, you know, if Hawkins and Ryder come out, they might have the Cubs beat the team here in St. Louis. <laughs> Jeez. But that was not the case. They actually got this right where uh, the Cubs got murdered by the Viking Raiders for two minutes. Yeah. Think about the heat though. Oh, come on. It's, it's there to be taken. Why would you not? <laughs> push that button when it presents itself. Really, they should have pinned They really Randy. blew it here. They really should have pinned Randy. Randy Randy could have uh, come out maybe and, and faced these guys. Yeah. Um, they removed the Cubs jersey, scoop slam spot with Eric and Ivar, and then the Viking experience. Two minutes. Just a fun little squash here. It was fun. It was entertaining. And, and I think shows you exactly how easy it is, it is to get us sheep wrestling fans to react. Charlie is with Sinkara backstage and asks how he's going to deal with Andrade and Zelina Vega. And he said that Andrade knew he had his number last week, but two can play that game. And he introduces us to Catalina, who is going to be in his corner. This is a recent signee, Catalina Garcia from Chile. Catalina, yes, but according to the graphics, Carolina. Oh, no. They got it wrong? C-A-R-O. Oh, does she know Marafugi? <laughs> um, the person writing the key may, might. Um, yeah, so, I mean, the the announcers were clearly calling her Catalina, so that seems to be the name, and this might have been just a mistake. 
Yeah, she had just been signed. Uh, she was part of the class that got introduced back in August. So huh. um, getting quick, sent to the main roster immediately. Quick call up, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's Andrade Sincara. Sincara gets knocked to the floor and Vega just does the tranquilo pose on the floor. Andrade then misses with a knee flying to the corner and Sincara hit this tornillo off the top to the floor. In the ring, Sincara catches his leg and turns it into this destroyer. And as Zelina Vega goes for a Rana off the apron to Catalina, she blocks it, throws Vega into the barricade, and then Sincara is like marveling at what <laughs> Catalina has done. This was the best. So the idiot gets rolled up in three minutes by Andrade yeah. and looked like such a putz here. Here's a guy like, who man. Here's a like guy his, who, he he's co- gone and got backup. You would think like this thing writes itself of what you do for the rematch, and he still <laughs> loses. It was unreal. He got backup because he couldn't beat these two. The backup does its job perfectly to a T. And he still he finds a way to lose. This dude's like Homer Simpson. <laughs> um, so I mean, I know they need they. I guess they couldn't have Sincara win this week because they need to prolong this feud. But God, he looked stupid here. Um, however, Wait, to prolong the feud, wouldn't it be logical yeah. to have him win? I think so. And then you just have Andrade yeah. and Zelina get their heat back afterwards. Sure. Now why they not? did explain. They did say Andrade did hook the. The tights. Fine, fine. But no, it's it was this to me was this even it's even and Andrade could have lost this here. I don't think it was yeah. so important for yeah. him to to win this and make you know Sin Cara needs all the help he can get. Yes. Um he's hardly established at all. You know, he called up a performer to be in his corner. Like yeah. that is an investment in the Sin Cara character. Well, what I mean is like he is in need of wins in order to secure some fans. You know, by having him just lose like this, you're kind of telling the audience not to take, like, not to get behind this guy because he's probably going to fuck up again next week. Maybe he'll introduce a third person to be in his corner and he'll still lose. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe Sinkara was one of the very few people that tuned into FS1 on Friday and he watched The New Day. And he was like, how do I get a title shot in this company? And he saw them lose and they're getting a tag title shot on Friday. And he said, you know what? That's how I get ahead of here. I lose oh. and I fall upward. So then, why did he bring Catalina into the mix? Uh, d- dis- uh to just distract. Okay. <laughs> I Sir. mean, if Zelina got involved on the apron, he could run the risk of winning by disqualification. Okay. He wants to make sure he he loses. Ah, uh, some deep storytelling, layered. I would say, cool. Very. You know, I I I do think uh, I I do think it's really nice they're giving a sustained push to Sankara, and I think adding Catalina to the mix makes the whole I don't know makes makes him a lot more interesting. And she, clearly, she appears to be the stronger promo of the two, judging from what we saw earlier today. So I hope she takes a bigger role in this uh in this duo, and I'm I'm interested to see more of her. This will be interesting on Wednesday. WWE is launching their new podcast hosted by Corey Graves, and. One of the guests is going to be Triple H. And Dio said, and I heard Corey isn't pulling any punches on that show. I can't wait. Right. Yeah. No, I Jordan can't. Miles, is it brought up on this show? Ooh, interesting. Okay. How hmm. can it not? That is if the hot you are, topic. If you want to be doing a, I'm not saying I'm expecting a lot out of a WWE podcast, but 
they can't just be doing um, the bump as a podcast. So yeah. I don't know how you don't at least bring this up, even if it's a, a very quick statement from Hunter. And then we move on to um, something less controversial, like um, the show on Thursday in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> I, I hope they get into all those things, because that certainly would be the bullshit test. You know, not only whether or not they bring that, those conversations, uh, those topics up, but what sort of a response and what sort of dialogue we get between he and Corey about those very, I would say, like sensitive issues within the WWE. Um, well, th- this this to me is this kind of a story, and there was, uh, y- there's always going to be that story, and that really tells you where they're going to go on a podcast like this. You know, it's unfortunate there's no episode of Backstage this week because that would have been the test, and I wouldn't expect that to be covered on that show. But you know, that's I think what people are looking at to see in these kinds of avenues are they going to navigate around topics like this? And mm-hmm. I mean, we'll. we'll We'll see on Wednesday. I don't want to uh, yeah. just dismiss it outright, and we'll see because I don't know how you have Hunter on this show on Wednesday and don't bring this up. But they, I, I think they almost either. have to honestly. Like, if it, it seems to me like you know what they're trying to do with these podcasts is to try to compete with like the likes of you know like Bruce and Conrad and all these other you know semi like almost like shoot interview style shows. So you know, like again, like we. What we love, what we all love about podcasting is, is I think the, the, the gateway to like authenticity that it provides. And if it's going to be maybe a, you know, WWE universe version of these types of shows, it's not going to have much of a place in the market very quickly. So I think they, they almost have to address these topics. Charlotte Flair and Natalia took on the Iconics. Uh, or should I say... Charlotte and Natalia took on the biddies from Glow. It's exactly what they remind you of, right? Like, I mean, this whole time they, they've kind of been that. They always have, I guess, but it never really dawned on me until this match. Like, this is who these two are. They are, like, they're, they're almost young, like playing a parody people. of, like, wrestlers. Oh, yeah. they're Like, I've always thought this. I, I've always thought that the Iconics would be great on Glow. Like, or another show that maybe emphasized their great comedic ability because they're fantastic at it. But in current landscape WWE, I mean, I say that. It really doesn't fit. Yeah, I see, we say that, but look what was the main event on this show. So they could certainly have their fit, but they just haven't really found it in the body of this current women's division. Charlotte booted Royce off the apron. Billy Kay wound up to take a shot at Charlotte, who was standing on the apron. This thing barely grazed her and i'm thinking that the the wind knocked charlotte off the apron this was something else as flair sold it going to the floor and that allowed natalia to apply the sharpshooter flair returned to the ring spearing peyton royce and it ended in 314 very cold match you know especially considering that that charlotte was here um and i certainly didn't feel like natty or charlotte were able to do enough in this match to make it interesting this was pretty rough. Um, yeah, it was rough. And again, it's I think it's almost kind of unfortunate that we have to grade these Iconics matches in the same light that we grade like a Charlotte match or a Natalia match because that's the expectations in, in, in 2019. Absolutely. But, but it's not what they are good at. It's not why they're hired. It's 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 not what makes them exceptional. What makes them excep- exceptional, I think, again, is their comedy. And I think they're, you know, all, all the stuff outside of the ring, which 
again, they haven't really found a place for. I thought they they could have done something with, something with them with the twenty four seven title, but they they gave up on that rather quickly. Charlie interviewed Seth Rollins, who just yelled about his Falls Count Anywhere match. This is what he does. I fight and I fight and I fight every night to prove myself and getting ready for the biggest challenge against Bray Wyatt. And he said, I took it to another level when I burned down the Firefly Funhouse. And I'm not stupid. I knew the Funhouse would return. Words that need to be immortalized. I'm not stupid. I knew the Funhouse would return. There's only one way to end the fiend. It is to beat him and burn it down. Burn, kind of what? exposed his uh, yeah. his catchphrase on top of it here. Burning it down clearly isn't that definitive. Yeah, burn what down? What's he going to yeah. burn down now? It's just going to come back. It's like that Linkin Park song. We're Bur- burning it down to build it back up. Oh, that was a song? He feels like... Like he would be a Lincoln Park wrestler, I think Seth Rollins. Um, well, he, yeah, his his babyface push is clearly about to hit the end. Very, very good. Yeah, I mean, I. But by the way, John, I think I'm really starting to like your uh, Seth Rollins uh, promo recaps as much as like the Alistair Black recaps. You <laughs> you do it in such a great like <laughs> bratty way. That's what I hear when I hear him yelling. It's like, oh, I'm just waiting for him to like pan over and it's his dad looking disapprovingly at him. He's just at the stage now where like almost anything he attempts to do as a baby face comes across as so obnoxious. They've done so much on this guy. Like there's part of me that just looks at Thursday. Like, do you just take the title off this guy and just start something new with him? Or Or do you see... I really would be stunned if they beat The Fiend, and they've pretty much promised you a finish in this match. Right. I mean... I don't think it's the worst idea going with The Fiend right now and doing something different with Seth. It's not out of the question. No, not at all. Um, But, you know, I do think Seth is so ready for a heel turn. Unfortunately, they're in a place where they really need baby faces. They desperately need baby faces, and he was there. He was... People were into this guy, and it was like... Oh, it's just trying to force this guy to be something he doesn't need to be. And for the for the love of God, ban this man from Twitter. That would be a start. I mean, I would say maybe limit his microphone time too. Certainly, like not this style of promo because I don't know what's changed, but like he was not talking like this like a year ago. You know, when everybody was just kind of more so talking about his ring rather than his microphone stuff. But ever since then, I don't know what happened. I think it might have been the Becky, like, mixed mixed tag feud. God. That just, like, it, it made him, like, a whole new level of obnoxious. So Seth and Eric Rowan have their Falls Count Anywhere match. It went fairly long. Um, so Lawler, as they're brawling through the crowd and up the, into the stands, Lawler mentions his famous... Tupelo concession stand brawl and says maybe they'll end up there. So Jerry clearly missed last week on Wednesday. Yeah. yeah. He was looking for a, we got two concession stand brawls in a week. They fight into the concourse. Rollins gets tossed in the merch stand and then through a table with a urinagi for a two count. 
Rollins, then we come back from break. All of a sudden, he's hitting suicide dives in the ring. We have just, uh, this was like a jump cut almost. And gets up. He steps on Rollins. The crowd is, or he uses the steps on Rollins. The crowd is chanting it, burn it down. Rollins gets powerbombed into the post. Then they make their way up to the announcer's area. And Rowan yells out, he's embarrassing me. And he's then, trying to embarrass me. It's my first time on Raw. I thought he was This hilarious. poor guy, Rowan. He was, uh, yeah. you know, I kind of felt for him in this match because this was an important match for him who, just as this guy was getting a little bit of steam, I'm not going to say it was it was enormous, but they cut his feud with Roman, move him to a new show, and it's like, you know, I, I don't know where this guy ultimately ends up, but, you know, he he was getting a little bit of traction, I thought, as a heel on SmackDown, and not to say it's gone on Raw, but he does kind of have to start over and with fresh people this was sort of the indicator that you know whatever they were building up with him isn't necessarily continuing um because you would think that they would they wouldn't necessarily put him in this slot if they wanted to promote him but maybe he's you know he's under like paul Heyman now i don't know how Heyman how involved Heyman was in, in his last push clearly like they have other directives on who to push on raw at the moment and doesn't seem like eric rowan is one of them this guy maybe he'll be out in the uh Back to the Vintner days. Mm. So Rollins is on the desk. He lands on his feet when Rowan goes for the claw slam. And he hits the stomp onto Rowan on the desk. And Rowan kicks out. This thing got no reaction. I will say one of the casualties of that Hell in a Cell match was the stomp as a finisher. No one cared when Rowan kicked out of this. Yeah. Hmm. There's a cross body off the desk to the floor. Chair shots as they go to the back. Rowan tosses a case that misses Rollins. Then he uses a ladder on Rowan. Stomps on the ladder. He hits the stomp onto the ladder. And Rowan conveniently rolls underneath a forklift. And we have a forklift operator there. And Rollins can't operate this. Because I guess he doesn't have his license. So he just screams at this poor guy to use it and, like, try to murder Eric Rowan. So he lowers the crate down upon Rowan, and Seth just stands on top of him on on the crate and pins him in 15 minutes. I thought Rollins came across as so uh, unlikable here, which I hope that was the design, though (laughs) it probably wasn't. I don't think so. I really don't think so. Not heading into, like, the Bray Wyatt match. This was the same finish as uh, Rock versus Foley at uh, halftime heat. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Mick. This was uh this was just halftime. I didn't sense much heat for this, but Ooh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, where Mick Foley lowered a forklift onto the Rock to in their title match. Um yeah, I think Foley came off much more sympathetic. Well, that it's also interesting character. that you that you know, he he was able to do it then, but Rollins wasn't able to do it himself here and had to have a, a driver. So, maybe you're right. He didn't have a license. He just came across like such an asshole yelling at this guy and the nature of which he won this match. Um, it, it does feel like a bit of a cheap, cowardly way of, of winning a Falls Count any, Anywhere match, you know, especially if like it, it's meant to get you excited about the bigger match on Thursday. I don't I, you can debate, you know, how, how successful this was, but I, I do think these two had a good brawl. In particular, I think Rowan is excellent in these types of heavyweight brawls. Very good looking heavy offense. You know, he's a big guy get that throws a lot of big shit around. Constant action. There's never a dull moment. So he 
he continues to be really good. But, I mean, they could have easily put Harper into this as well if they wanted Rollins to just beat a former Wyatt family guy, too. Where's Harper? Is he on SmackDown? Oh, good question. He was undrafted, right? That's right. I think he's SmackDown. I think they, they did split Rowan and Harper. Oh, they did? Okay. Yeah. I, I didn't mind this for Rowan. I thought I thought he had a pretty good outing here. Like it was it was a fine match. The crowd got, the crowd was more into Rollins in this uh during the actual match. So um yeah, it was it was fine. Um yeah, it was fun. Lashley and Lana are in their dressing room and Lana is getting set for divorce court and she tells Lashley that she will go out there alone tonight with Rusev. But then it's time to travel back into the room. Are you ready, Way? Can you allow me the forum here? Yes. <clears throat> the definition of madness is to do the same thing over and over and expecting a different outcome. Well, all my outcomes have been the same over and over, and I don't want them to change. So, if I'm not a madman, then what am I? Well, the next time I walk to the ring, one of two things will happen. One, I'll make sure the person I have to face has a relationship with fear right before I take their head clean off. Or two, they will come running, knocking down my door. Ready to pick a fight with me. And then he passed out. I'm starting to like picture these as you saying them. Like over the phone on a phone call with me or something. And it's do, just like, oh, know, I'm calling my friend John. And oh, John is suddenly talking weird. He wants to pick a fight with me. Hmm. Two points. Like Alistair. One is when I'm not watching this show live and they get to the Alistair Black segment, the tweets alert me that Alistair Black has spoken. So clearly my promo re uh, recited. You know, you become the Chris planning. Charlton of like transcribing these promos. Like what yes. he does for Japanese promos, um, you've become that guy for Alistair Black. Number two. And I did not mean to uh, the play on words here uh, for number two. The ending of these promos, given that he is delivering them as he is sitting down, oh, no. it's really hard not to have that visual. Maybe he should stand. Because uh, it is like he is just messy. forcing it out at the end. Oh, stop. Stop, please. Too much. Am I the only one who... Looks at this like he is struggling through these final words and like wincing. Um, don't give him any ideas is what I want to say. AJ Styles and Humberto Carrillo was next. Uh, so Carrillo rolls into a standing moonsault. You know, these moonsaults, he hit like three of them that... <laughs> They weren't, like, perfect, so Joseph on each one points out, I don't think he got all of that one. I don't think he really hit all of that one. I don't know if he necessarily uh, got all of it there. <laughs> it's like three of them in here. I suppose, Which, like... I can appreciate you protecting your credibility, yeah. but 
at the same time, well, it's it also like, protecting. It's protecting the guy too. You know, if he's not going to win with that moon salt, maybe you blame it on it not being perfect. But I guess if you get three of them in succession, that's not perfect. Well, so AJ uh, took us into the commercial after driving Umberto into the barricade and then a tornado DDT on the floor. Carrillo hit the Aztec press, only got a two count. Then AJ hit him with the inverted DDT, went for the phenomenal forearm, and got knocked off balance off the top rope. So Carrillo hit this top rope moonsault, got a ton of height for it, only gets a near fall because he didn't hit all of it. And then Carrillo gets knocked down in midair with like this tackle, and uh, instantly AJ applies the calf crusher, and Carrillo taps out at 924. So he is the young lion of Raw. Right, yeah, the guy who puts up a big fight but loses. And that's not such a bad role to be in. You know, it's it, clearly like these these uh these past two weeks have been big showcase settings for Humberto Carrillo, facing both Seth Rollins and AJ Styles, arguably the two best guys in the entire company. And I thought it, AJ did a tremendous job setting the stage for Carrillo to impress. He had some great looking offense. Uh, both of them looked really awesome. They've unfortunately still really yet to demonstrate Carrillo's personality to the audience. And I know they're only two weeks in, but they're starting from a very very low. I think bar with, with the uh, Carrillo, he kind of feels like your creative player in season mode where like, it's just a guy who doesn't really look all that spectacular. Doesn't really look all that well-dressed because you probably just picked every power ranger looking thing that you want him to wear, which he didn't wear this week, by the way. Um, and he's just like a creative wrestler that's injected into these cutscenes with big, big name wrestlers backstage. Um, doesn't really talk. You know, feels like he's kind of in a way bigger spot on the card than he should be. Um, but that's only to say that he they have yet to really establish him uh, as any type of big personality. And I think they might have a bit of a ways to go. Final segment. Are you ready? Oh, by the way, the Street Profits came out to save him. Oh, yeah. Time. I skipped through all this. So AJ offers his hand afterwards, but then pulls it back. Carrillo nails him as he limps. And then AJ takes out the leg, hits him with a Styles Clash, and then Anderson and Gallows come in for the Magic Killer when the Street Profits run in to stop it. And this featured a gigantic pounce by Angelo Dawkins, sending Carl Anderson to the floor, and they cleared the ring. So probably a six-man coming out of this, maybe next week. Huge reaction, I thought, for the Street Profits. Um, so, you know, they they fit really well, I think, in, in this particular angle. Um, it kind of makes sense. You know, the Street Profits have a ton of personality and Carrillo doesn't really have that much right now, but Carrillo can certainly make their matches a lot more exciting. So, um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what they can do for him. I would I would love to see if they do this six-man, Montez Ford gets the upset pin on AJ. And we get a match really? between those two. Ooh, a singles match? I don't think they'll ever, they'll do that, but... Hmm. Something I think it's a match, you can, unless you really want to protect forward until you go that direction yeah. i think it is something you could do where they they have like a really hot tv match and we can see ford in a in a singles match with somebody i mean i feel like they've they've only had one tag team match thus far so is it too early to to break them off into singles it is early um i also look though at this tag division and it's you know they have teams but they have very few options it's like you're either feuding with gallows and anderson or it's the Viking Raiders. That's pretty much your options. Well, everybody else is in the 24-7 division, aren't they? You got Rude and Ziggler kind of floating around. Well, they're SmackDown right now. Oh, my God. You have Hawkins so, and Ryder. 
Um, yeah, it's all it's the geeks, and then it's the teams we just mentioned. AOP are hanging out somewhere in the room. They're hanging out. Yeah. Yep. Which you I wouldn't be. want to put the street profits with them right now. Well, you, listen. Every time they go, every time they go to, will likely have a baseball team or a football team that they. That That's they true. Hate. Yep. So you have kind of limitless options as long as there are sports teams. So Jerry Lawler is in the ring, and he brings out Rusev, who is just out, all smiles. He's waving to the crowd. There's a light Rusev Day chant, and then Lana is introduced as the woman who is still legally Rusev's wife. Lana comes out, and Rusev just continues to grin, and Lawler points out he's still wearing his wedding band because he hopes that they can get back together. And Lana says she didn't want to come out here and air their dirty laundry, which is kind of the whole point of this segment, you would think. Lana says that since she's come out with her relationship with Lashley, she's had to deal with all the haters online that are bullying her and tells all the people to shut up as they're chanting for Rusev. And Lana reveals the dark secret of their marriage. She says all Rusev wanted was to have sex. And Rusev responds, well, can you blame me? And at this point, this crowd was very entertained by Rusev. Lana goes on to say, Rusev wanted to have sex all day long. He is a sex addict. And she listed all the different places Rusev wanted to have sex, including at WrestleMania. She did not clarify if it was in the tank. Oh, yes, right. Tank. Can I pause? Did you ever think, John, like in your <laughs> career, you would have to say like all the things you just said in the last forty seconds? Oh yes, I've been I've been ready for 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 this. I this guess was... I guess you've said worse, honestly. There has been worse yeah. from this company. Rusev just responds, "I cannot believe these accusations." Lana says that all you wanted to do was put a baby inside of me. He knew more about, okay, this I did not expect. He knew more about my monthly cycle than I did. You just wanted to have those machka brats running around crushing. And then Lana says, Rusev cheated on her. And Bobby Lashley told me so. He says, Lashley is talking shit and he denies it. So then Bobby Lashley comes out. Now, keep in mind that about three segments ago, we saw Bobby fully clothed in the dressing room. Since that time, he has changed into his trunks and has come out for the divorce court. Rusev goes after him, sends him into the steps. They're cheering for Rusev, and then Rusev gets caught with a flatliner, and the spear gets stopped as he kicks Lashley. Rusev then takes off the wedding ring. And he proceeds to put the wedding ring into Lashley's mouth. I would I was led to believe that he swallowed this ring. Sure. What, that's the most ridiculous thing about this whole thing? That you no, can't the most ridiculous thing will be next week when Vince McMahon has watched the first Jackass movie. And he's going to do the x-ray with the ring being found. I don't know. He asks Lana, why are you doing this? I loved you. And Lashley delivers a low blow to Rusev. Lana slaps him 
And as Rusev is down on the ground, Lashley and Lana proceed to make out as the show goes to end. And as the two are making out over Rusev's lifeless body, the greatest cat call from the crowd, one fan yells out the final words on raw. This is weird. And the show ends. It was weird. Yeah, it was weird. Um, I, I was like, you know, oddly looking forward to this number one. Cause like, I think the, the ridiculousness has gotten to a point where I just have to give up and just try to try to enjoy it. Also, because I, I sense that this would be the culmination and the end of this. No, but no way. Instead, it only got more weird. It only got more uncomfortable and it only represented the beginning of whatever is to come here. And I don't know. I turned another corner here because I found this so tough to watch. I found it just gross. Like I felt really gross as an adult, not only watching this, but having to like talk about it and have an opinion about it for a living. It was, it was really strange. Um, the trashiest form I think of television that might exist on TV. And I'm including Jerry Springer. I don't even know what's on TV anymore, but it certainly probably won't be that much worse than this and more lowbrow than this. So fun. I think if you are able to just, you know, not take your life and maybe your consumption of your free time, all that seriously. Um, <laughs> but beyond that, it it's the type of thing that makes you reconsider what you're doing with your life. I'll tell you what this segment represented to me. The long-term value of this segment is going to be realized on January the 6th because there's going to be a moment when Wei and I were, are probably going to be on our feet and all of Ottawa Gymnasium is going to be on their feet. There will probably be people in tears as Jushin Thunder Liger says goodbye for the final time Ending his Where career are you going with this? How are you going to began in 1984, these? a career that was born the same year you and I entered this world way. And as everyone is having this emotional moment, everyone has their phones out trying to take a photo to remember th- where they were, what joy this has brought to everyone. I am going to lean over to Way and say this same industry features Lana and Bobby Lashley putting their tongues down their throat over top of Lana's legitimate husband. This is all the same thing, Way. And you're going to look at me and say, this is not the same thing. You know, you bring up a good point. And maybe that's the problem. Maybe our the problem is us thinking that wrestling should only be a certain way. And certainly music shouldn't just be one way. Movies shouldn't just be one way. There are many forms of different types of movies. We shouldn't necessarily look at wrestling. Good and bad are two different ways. That is true. That is true. But you know what? Listen to the reaction that this beatdown got. Like, Dude, this crowd got into this. It got into it. I think it was mainly because Rusev is... I think Rusev is a great performer. Um, (laughs) Listen, how can you not get into this, though? Like, if you're there live, especially... Like, I know a lot of us are watching. I Certainly, I was watching this shaking my head. But if this scene played out in front of me in real life, 
and two people ended up getting like we all watch world star we all go crazy for like those videos we're not judging them based off of like how how trashy it is and but we do afterwards but if we're there live seeing a world star level fight in front of us for the stupidest of reasons i think we'd all be like whoa this is crazy look at this shit that's happening so it works it works i don't doubt that it works I'm just so ashamed that it works. And I'm so ashamed that I, as a human being, have a reaction to it. So, um, fuck. Like, it, this, you know, in the same way that, you know, Jim Cornette might criticize a Young Bucks match. Saying that, oh, like, that style of wrestling? Fuck that style of wrestling. It's, 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 it's demeaning. It's, it's, it's killing my industry. But we argue that, hey, look at the reaction that it gets. There's no, there's no disputing that, Jim Cornette. Can we make the same argument about this? You and I think it sucks. In hindsight. But look at the reaction that it gets. Is Vince right? Is Paul Heyman right to to produce stuff like this? I think it ultimately comes down to what they believe. There is, like, we've seen the the breakdowns that these segments have done well. There's an audience for them. They would not be pursuing this if they didn't feel that they're... I have no hope for the human race. Well, this is uh this is how they're building a baby face in 2019 uh with Rusev. Oh god. Yeah, these Mondays are going to be a whole lot of fun if this continues. When will Lana be like this has to go with her being ending up pregnant. And I thought she was going to announce it tonight. I feel that's the next step and then it's who's the father. And they've just totally transferred the Maria storyline to this one. Well, sure. I mean, this one, I think with a bit more buildup, it's even more comp- complex, more layered, more, um, uh, well done. Jeez. So you're going to get, you're going to get all the, all the, the tent poles here. We're going to get a divorce. We're going to have the Lashley Lana wedding. We're going to get the baby shower and then the pregnancy. Yeah. Birth. And then the miscarriage. Um, and then the... They can't do that. The reconciling. Why not? They've done it before. They won't do a miscarriage angle. It'll be a... Mi- it'll be a There's it, no way. It'll be a miscarriage, and then maybe several years down the line, we'll have a brand new wrestler <laughs> who <laughs> does some... I don't know. who will either be half black or uh, half Bulgarian. I guess we, we'll, we'll find out. What did you think of Raw? I think you summed it up pretty well right there. Yeah, I don't know if I can have much of a... It was draining, I'll say. Maybe that that's the only thing I could say about it. Was it so draining that you couldn't muster a, a feedback thread to ask the public what they believed of the show? What do you mean? What I don't did? see it here. Oh, I wrote, I wrote SmackDown. I'm an idiot. Oh. <laughs> Oops. Okay. I, I was looking at this. I thought it was last week's thread. <laughs> Let me just change that. Listen, the days all bleed together at this point. Okay, well, let's go to the forum then and uh, <laughs> chat about Raw. Um, this is not going to get a pass. 4.55, the forum gives us. Oh, yeah. Paul from New Jersey writes, Although Paige's acting leaves much to be desired, I have to say I'm enjoying the heel work of the Kabuki Warriors. The menacing laughter and character work is very reminiscent of Gogo Yubari from Kill Bill. Kyrie looked outstanding in the ring. The Street Profits are mega over and... Let, let's not go mega over. They are they are getting some uh, backing from the audience 
but I think they're still on the way up. Um, although booed initially, at least Seth didn't sound embarrassingly cringe. Hooray for small victories. Speaking of small victories, the Iconics were on TV, thought they looked pretty decent in the ring. Uh, I don't know. The only thing better than seeing the Australian ladies is knowing we get a John Pollock black promo tonight. Never thought I would see the Vikings defeating the Cubs. Yes. What would you think of Dio Madden tonight? This is a question. I think he's getting more and more comfortable. Um, I don't know if I, I would qualify him as good yet. Like, to me, I don't know there, if there's any point in the broadcast where I feel like he really adds anything beyond, like, telling us where mist comes from. Ninjutsu, by the way. Um, I don't know if I would consider him good yet, but I, I don't think he's a hindrance. If that it's a very bland anything. commentary booth. Yeah. I'm not... Which, I, it's... it's it doesn't come with the praise. It's to me, it's not adding a whole lot, but the silver lining to that is it's not detracting from anything either. Yeah. So I just label it's a push. I, I, I feel Cole and Graves are better. I mean, as you would expect, given that they've got so much chemistry, especially now, you know, without a third person, um, this team still really, I think has to find it's, uh, you know, it's chemistry. I think Vic Joseph is good at doing like a, play-by-play job but i i kind of miss like an element of you know showmanship and 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 just like i don't know something that that feels missing with him you know what i mean i don't know if you feel that way yeah no it's um like he is someone that i i haven't been able to hear like the range i don't know if this guy has that call in him that is uh an eight or a nine right but i i think like he's a perfectly fine Mm. play-by-play but it's like I, I just think it's like a very reserved commentary team. Mm. We got a Trent who says the final segment was one of the worst segments of the year, in my opinion. First, Rusev stands in the ring smiling as Lana walks down the ramp. He should be furious at the situation. Then, as, he, as she delivers her promo, he bumbles all over his lines with no mic stick skills. Finally, the show goes off the air with the sad, sapped babyface getting his ass kicked by his cheating wife and the dude she's screwing. Can someone explain to me why I'm supposed to be rooting for this guy? Well, listen, so you, this is how you get baby faces over. Trent, listen, if this happened to you, your wife happened to be just standing with Bobby Lashley over top of you kissing. Um, I would be able to relate with you in if you wanted to kick that dude's ass. And no, no, no way. You missed the deeper meaning to this ending. He didn't kick his ass. He kicked the sex addict in the balls. Yeah. Well, so he so, can no longer be promiscuous. Oh, uh, okay. So this was, so he's the baby face. It like, Flash. here's the, here's the other thing too, is that like the heels defense for <laughs> God, the heels defense for leaving her, her husband is that he wanted too much sex yes. and also that he cheated. Okay, fine. But he also wanted to he wanted to have a baby. It's the it's the Keith and Cherry storyline from Glow. I guess. Okay, fine. That I can buy as a babyface trade, but like because the it's the heel saying this, we're supposed to be led to to believe that I guess being a sex addict obviously is a very good thing. It's a very healthy thing for a male. So um that's why you're supposed to be rooting for him. Because he's a sex addict. And I, if you're a man, if you're, you know, any sort of real man, I think you would also be a sex addict. Of course. Just got Mark Henry over as a superstar in 99. Yeah. 
next up, we have Brandon from Oshawa. Rollins and Rowan was an excellent brawl. Becky and Kyrie was solid. It would have been a great angle if Paige was cleared to see them attack her, but what we got was all right. I think we're seeing that what they've done with the Street Profits before finally having some matches is starting to pay off because they're super over right now. And he ends about the, the closing angle uh, was well done and had some wrote, good heat. Okay. Favorite part of the night was the sick RKO to Ricochet. That may have been the best looking one ever. We got Alex from Portland who says, let me get this straight. Lana is cheating, actually having sex with Lashley. And part of that is because Rusev wants to have sex with her so much. Watching these three reminded me so much of the room. <laughs> Blonde woman cheats on the guy that loves her with someone more casual and fun. You are tearing me apart, WWE. Seriously, that segment was entertaining in the worst way possible. It was like the best of Jerry Springer meeting the worst of WWE. Thanks to tonight, Shorty G takes my number one spot for a worst storyline. Question, who do you think is more prepared to be the top champion in WWE? Strowman, Corbin, or McIntyre? McIntyre, McIntyre. for me. Guy from Charlotte. Watching this show, I realized that maybe I've been too harsh of a critic when it comes to Raw over the last few weeks. This week had a good bit to enjoy. A few good TV matches really helped boost the show and overcome the dregs that continue to be the nonsensical universal title story and the show's strange obsession with devolving into a Jerry Springer rerun. I'd like to especially point out how good the women's tag was. The Iconics were pretty entertaining and played their part in making Charlotte and Natty look like superstars. Uh, I don't know. I did not see that. Well, clearly other people were seeing that, seeing what we didn't see. I guess so. Uh, A much better than average Raw with more positives than negatives. 6.5 out of 10. Finally, Matt says, Raw once again was just meh. What in the hell was that closing segment? Seriously, they are just fixated on this cuckold storyline. Takes the prize for worst storyline of the year so far and just passing Shorty Chi. Yeah, we got two contenders here going head to head on both shows. So it's a race to the top or the bottom, I should say. Oh, boy. Well, everybody, thank you for tuning in and uh, checking out Rewind or Raw. What a what a show it was. Wayne and I will be back Tuesday night. We've got Ask Away coming your way. Then we've got uh, Dynamite on Wednesday night uh, that we can compare to this. And then Thursday, live show Thursday night, 11 Eastern, uh, following Crown Jewel and opening up the phone line. So we'll be taking lots of phone calls and a different time. So we'll see if we uh, get some different parts of the world tuning in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited for it. Are you excited for uh, the end of Daylight Savings Time this weekend? We go back an hour. You know, I did not know that. And and how? This weekend? Okay. Yes. So it wouldn't affect the, the start time of the the, the post-show. No, right. no. Okay. But um, it's going to happen. I think it's like 2 a.m. early Sunday morning. So when I'm doing the UFC show, it goes back an hour. So huh? oh. 2 a.m. becomes 1 a.m. Right. Okay. So you, that you get an extra hour. Yes. Yeah, wonderful. Nice. How are you going to spend it? Um, talking and uploading a show. The best way to spend your time. It's a lot of fun. Are you gonna Are you gonna watch any of this UFC card I on Saturday? I think I might actually. I think yeah, I might be. Yeah, I, I could see you uh, getting into this. Yeah, it's the the B, the BMF Championship. It is. Yeah, Dwayne Johnson's gonna be there. Is he presenting it? Is he doing? He's that? presenting the belt to the winner. Wow, cool. Yep. So that's all going down on Saturday. All right. Well, thank you everybody for listening. That's it from us. We'll speak with you on Tuesday night.
This is the place where Black is the main character, where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop and BMF. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details.